Hello, I'm Bob Bragdon, and you're listening to CSO Executive Sessions. CSO Executive Sessions is a twice-monthly podcast produced by CSO Online and IDG. Each episode, we sit down with leading security and risk executives to get their take on the challenges faced by their organizations. And today, we're on the line speaking with Gary Gooden, the Chief Information Security Officer at Seattle Children's Hospital and Seattle Children's Research Institute. For more than 100 years, Seattle Children's Hospital has specialized in meeting the unique physical, emotional, and developmental needs of children from infancy through young adulthood. Seattle Children's Research Institute is at the forefront of pediatric medical research and is internationally recognized for its work in cancer, genetics, immunology, pathology, infectious disease, injury prevention, and bioethics. Gary, thanks for joining me today. Oh, uh, it's my pleasure, Bob. Can you tell us a little bit about your role and the risks that you help address at Seattle Children's? Certainly. So here at Seattle Children's, and we tend to say Seattle Children's because we're a health system that operates in four states, um, which includes, as you correctly said, the clinical side, the hospital, the research side, and also our fundraising side, or what is referred to as a foundation side. Um, we have about we have over 60 um, offsite clinics through the Wyoming region, which is Washington, Alaska, Montana, and Idaho. Uh, so, from that perspective, I have full responsibility for the cyber risk profile of the organization, and also the um, cyber physical um, profile as well. What kind of risks are consuming all your time right now? So, uh, when I joined Seattle Children's a little over a year ago. Um, there, there were in my mind certain key controls that we didn't have in place. And that being said, I've spent the better part or perimeter controls or points of ingress, both from a networking perspective and also from a corporate mail perspective. I've spent time trying to, um, to harden the ability to monitor traffic east-west through our environment. Um, we've also started to look at, we started to look at everything to do with um, our cloud migration strategies, which I think is a bit of a misnomer, um, only from the point of view that things have already been moving off premises as different service groups have signed agreements for SaaS providers who may or may not be holding PHI, PAI. So, that's a, that, so those are all existing challenges, and I would estimate that we have to date probably done two years worth of work in approximately a year or less. Um, so I think we're in a better position than we were in prior to, which is good. As uh, respect to COVID, um, you know, it's the old adage, you know, one man's um, 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 cup of tea but is another man's poison. And in our particular case, what we're seeing is an is an opportunity that bad actors have taken relative to COVID to implement and weaponize multiple types of phishing campaigns. Um, case in point, the good work that was done at John Johns Hopkins to put to put put into focus the the pandemic spread by virtue of their um, of the application that they posted online. That application was, um, and everything about it was was obfuscated by bad actors to then create a fake COVID-19 phishing campaign 
with the express intent of 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 credential gathering, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we have seen an mm-hmm. we have seen a definite uptick in COVID-related activities from a phishing campaign perspective. Um, and prior to COVID, we were seeing well, prior to COVID being the quote-unquote number one topic from a news perspective, we were seeing that for both COVID and also for the presidential campaign, um, i.e. trying to get money when they're really trying to get credentials. So all those things simply added to the amount of work that we've, that we've had to do to one, um, keep looking at all points of ingress into the environment. We are doing a lot more monitoring as it relates to the, the, the corporate email ingestion. We are looking at additional rules to ensure that we filter with all types of malicious or potential weaponized mail messages. We have hardened and continue to harden the filtering mechanisms that we have in our fire, in the next-gen firewalls. We are now seeing our, some of our east-west traffic. Um, we're, we're quickly ramping up our ability to monitor um, um, cloud services where we actually have our actual data residing. But that aside, we have also tried to step up our security awareness training program, which was already something that was um, in the process of being planned to be executed. So what I've seen in several organizations from time to time is their inability to communicate effectively. Um, in our organization, we have one very effective communication source. So we have been able to start to utilize that from time to time to send out pertinent messages to the entire enterprise relative to what we're seeing out there and to have them ensure that they're on guard relative to certain types of emails that may end up in our inbox. Even though we filter out well in excess of 85% of anything coming in as being malicious. Um, so those are just some of the things. Wow. On the cyber physical side of the world, we're, we've been trying to ramp up our alerting mechanisms. We're, we, we, we hold um, the responsibility for all the technology in relation to physical security. So we refer to it as cyber physical. So we work very closely with our security partners. Um, and we're just trying to support them by trying to automate and trying to modernize their alerting mechanisms, their monitoring control mechanisms, their um, business management systems as quickly as we can. So as noted, we're recording this in the middle of a global pandemic and you're in Seattle, one of the hotspots in the United States. While we're all hopeful that this is relatively short-lived, I have to believe that an event like this will color our evaluations of risk for years to come. Incidents that seemed unlikely just six months ago, like shutting down 90% of the U.S. economy for one thing, are now a reality. What are your thoughts on this? So, yes, um, we're <laughs> Washington-based, and as such, we, we were in the essentially the North American epicenter for this pandemic. And... To date, I would say, and don't quote me in these numbers, but I would say in excess of 40% of our workforce is now remote. Um, mm-hmm. So all, in other words, all non-essential staff. Um, most of my team is already remote. Um, I'm actually remote. I'm actually sitting in Southern California as we speak, um, managing everything because at this point in time we want people to be with families um 
we have been able to maintain a very high level of connectivity through our, our existing channels. So we have, you know, we have an extensive VDI environment, a Citrix environment. Um, so that's been heavily utilized currently today for remote working conditions. But just that in of itself um, increases our risk posture. So we have to be very tuned in to remote work um, uh, issues that, to your point, we probably wouldn't have thought of as burning issues prior to two months ago, which all of a sudden have become burning issues, i.e. the end user experience or ability to ensure that our providers can interact with um, patients and families as quickly as possible, as safely as possible in remote situations where we don't have to have them actually come on site or go to a specific clinic. Um, uh, you know, things of that nature, um, ensuring that we, that, that we allow employees the wherewithal to care for families while keeping themselves safe. Um, and doing that in an environment where in both states, both Washington and California, we're essentially in a state lockdown, but still perform our duties as we would as if we were there in person. So yes, to your point, this is going to open up interesting questions in relation to remote work, um, and how do you balance remote work and all of the socialization that occurs when you actually have face-to-face -face conversation with people outside of a video conference session and to how to do it safely and securely. What's your secret to balancing risk and business opportunity? In, in other words, how do you keep out of the way of the business, the clinicians, the researchers, uh, without exposing the business to undue risk? So, um, I think in circumstances like this, you, 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 you tend to see um, the best in people and in some cases the worst in people. And you tend to see um, people rise under stressful conditions and then other people f um, fall under stressful circumstances. And we're not unlike anywhere else. So I see a bit of that in certain instances and I can definitely see, especially within the clinical side, you know, there's this angst and, and need and concern for being able to service patients and families. And when people are as stressed as they are and, or, or, or frontline workers are and, and we worry about them, them trying to balance this need to keep themselves safe while providing services makes them try to grab anything that might be able to help them. And in some ways, we have to almost help them. We almost have to protect them from, their, from themselves, meaning every single tool that they can think of, they want to utilize at the same time. And you can't. You can't for multiple reasons, um, i.e. exposure, PHI, PI, even though the Office of Civil Rights have loosened the restrictions relative, relative to penalties being assessed if PHI is exposed. But once you open certain types of certain things out of Pandora's box, it's really hard to get it back into the box. So we're, we're trying to balance this, this very carefully with respect to being fast to deliver things in a timely manner, um, i.e. we might speed up the contractual process, um, the educational process. We, I mean, right now I have staff who are working diligently to ensure that our entire O365 environment is PHI, PAI ready 
um, so that people can use every single collaboration tool at their disposal. Um, we're, 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 we're utilizing things like Zoom when appropriate um, for the providers and providers only to interact with patients and families so they can do telehealth related activities. We try to make sure they can do that in a secure way. <clears throat> we're educating or, 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 um, or population within our environment, meaning staffers and non-staffers alike, in terms of what are acceptable forms of communication. Um, and being really responsive in the sense that nothing really sits for a day or if somebody sends an email, they're literally replied to in the moment. If we need to jump on conference calls, we jump on conference calls. So there is a, I think there's an overarching sense across all of the service lines that we have within our IT organization, and I don't want to speak for them, but I see it, so I, so I can see if they say this, that there's a, um, there's a, a higher level of trust in our ability to turn around and provide services. So that's how we try to balance it. Um, if we need to jump on a call at six in the morning, whatever, we'll do it. If we need to work later, sure. we'll do it. Um, just because we know that at the end of the day, all of this is really designed to keep employees, non-employees safe while providing the kind of care that we have to the larger Seattle and the Wyoming region. Talk a little bit about where you think security in general could be doing a better job. Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a little complicated because some of those things tend to fall into cultural nuances. So you might have the traditional environment where um, the security operation kind of lives in the background and they get pulled into things when people say, oh, have you spoken to security? So that's the older, more traditional model, um, which also then has tied to it all of the quote-unquote um, inherent issues of cross-collaboration um, between different um, silos within just the IT organization alone. Um, all of the things that we have talked about before and know that are that exists today, right? It's the human condition of control and ownership. And what I'm seeing is a slow shift um, away from that to have things seem to have things driven more from a security posture in mind. And we have been pushing this notion within our environment of having everything driven with security as the tip of the spear. So if I'm thinking about, say, for example, um, a new way of, a new network paradigm. Well, it has to be security driven. If I'm thinking about the way in which data obviously gets stored in the cloud, it has to be security driven. If I'm thinking about um, the whole idea of ensuring that from an end user experience perspective, we want to have our end users have access to data whenever, however they want to, from wherever they want to, based on who they are, then we're talking about role-based access control and roles tied to um, inherited rights and entitlements, which will give them rights to access data, wherever the data may, might live. And then having the controls around the data based on data classification rules, how to create the labels so we can track data and, and, and so on and so forth. All those things have to be driven from a security imperative. So everything else that would typically lead in terms of, oh, we're going to implement a new this or a new that, it, it, the script literally gets flipped and it's now we have to implement based on security controls and models 
And these are the attendant services, service areas that have to work in concert with that security paradigm. So you literally end up in a situation where you accelerate the change in your environment. So I, I made reference to, to um, cloud, cloud migration strategy. I don't think that any such thing exists. I think it's more about a digital transformative strategy in terms of how we allow people to get access to data in a secure manner. And just that one statement presupposes that you're changing the way in which your entire operation works. Because if you don't, the very same people that you're trying to then support are going to try and find a way like water. It always finds a way. And by, by doing that, what you're gonna end up happening is just put your, your entire enterprise at even more risk. So that's what I see as a big challenge from a security perspective and how we're trying to address that is, is pivoting and changing the mindset and model to be everything driven from a security-centric perspective. So how has this whole crisis forced you to rethink your approach to security? It really hasn't because the security model that we had in mind was always predicated, well, since I've been here at Generate, on our thought process collectively being built around thinking about how do we do A, B, C, D, and E from a security perspective. In other words, if I can protect my data, if I can protect or patients' data as well, then I said data meaning patients and employees, not employees. If I can physically protect as well, it has to be based on a construct of having security with a tip of your spear. And if that's the case, whether it be a COVID crisis or some other crisis, you will always be in a position where it's easier for you to act because you already have the, the, the governance in place, you already have the wherewithal to break down barriers because people know that we need to do it because this is a security related issue and everybody just lines up and they really adopt this one team approach. So it's a one team approach, which is what we're looking at. So, and things like COVID-19 further, um, to, it, it serves to highlight those types of issues. We still have those issues with our environment, as I see it in almost every other environment whenever I speak to other CISOs or CTOs or CIOs, those are the same types of concerns. I just think the way to address it is to just change the paradigm and thinking, um, to have things be driven based on security structured roadmaps, um, technology roadmaps that fit into those security structured roadmaps, and then you align the resources behind those imperatives so you can actually um, not just modernize, but transform the environment. So I refer to the digital transformation with security as a driver, because we have to do it for both clinical and the non-clinical space um, to us allow our researchers to be able to think about and provide services and provide cures, whereas the clinicians have to take tools that are provided for to them and apply it at point of care. All right, final question. What's the best advice you'd share with your peers on addressing a crisis environment like the one we're living through now? Um, one, I'd say stay calm, stay focused, um, remember why you're there in terms of your specific role. Think about things from a human perspective. The technology part is the easy part, is the human element that takes, tends to be a little more complicated. And I think if you look at things from that perspective, 
technology concerns and issues in terms of ownership and relative to who has what, all of those concerns tend to kind of fall away. And that presupposes that you have an organization that truly believes and has a charter that's very specific around care. And I'm saying that from a healthcare perspective, and, I'm, and I'm, so I'm replying in that context. Um, and, even if it's, and even if it's outside of healthcare, just think about the employees and think about what the company does, think about the services it provides, and stay calm and focused. And if you do that, I think you have a higher likelihood of having a better outcome than an outcome that's driven by reactive um, decisions that are not well thought through, both from a cyber physical and other perspective. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of CSO's Executive Sessions. We've been speaking with Gary Gooden, the Chief Information Security Officer at Seattle Children's. Gary, thanks for joining us. Hey, Bob, it was my pleasure, and um, I hope you stay safe and hope all the best to you and your family. CSO Executive Sessions shares the expertise and insights of leading security and risk executives. To learn more about how security and risk leaders are addressing today's dynamic risk environment, make sure to visit us at csoonline.com. And be sure to catch future CSO Executive Sessions by subscribing to this podcast on csoonline.com podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, for CSO Online and IDG, I'm Bob Bragdon. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.